0: Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Fortaleza, Rafael Asunza versus Marlon Moraes and Shaq, it's Super Bowl weekend. The Super Bowl's going down here in Atlanta and uh, more importantly on Saturday we got the rematch between ATL Zone Rafael Asunza and Marlon Moraes.
1: Yeah, man, it's a, been a long time coming for Rafael. He finally gets his title shot. He's been one of the most consistent bantamweights since that division came into existence in the UFC. And uh, Marlon Moraes, I mean, <laughs> we already seen what that guy's been doing. He's been putting guys in the ground. Uh, speaking of Jimmy and Aljamain, you know, so it's a great fight, a rematch. The first fight was extremely close. Some people think it was a robbery. Some people think, you know, a sunset one. Clearly, it was very close, and uh, I can't wait to see the rematch.
0: Not only are they running it back, but now they got two extra rounds and a title on the line. So, for everyone saying that Jafelo Simpson will never get a UFC title shot, here's his UFC title shot, Shaq.
1: Yeah, not to mention we got uh, one of the greatest featherweights of all time, Jose Aldo, against arguably the top prospect at Featherweight, who's finally getting his chance uh, to get a title shot in Moicano.
0: Oh, man, Moicano and Aldo. That's a, yeah. that's a fight right there, you know, speaking of title eliminators. For Jose Aldo to beat a guy like Hanato Moicano, if he wants any chance of getting a third crack, at the reigning defending Max Holloway. You can't just come out here and squeak by Hanato Moicano. He's
1: gotta finish him, Shaq. Yeah, one hundred percent, man. Uh they already had Moicano as a backup fighter, so I know they're looking at him and, you know, Moicano's, you know, one of those last guys that Max, you know, kinda needs on his resume at Featherweight. 100 percent
0: that's something we were actually talking about recently how yeah max could go ahead and move up to lightweight now but if he really wants to cement that he's the greatest featherweight of all time you have to have that win over henato moicano and additionally a win over uh frankie edgar won't hurt the resume either
1: yeah i, I guess but we know how that's gonna go <laughs>
0: <laughs> that will be brutal and vicious but i will thoroughly enjoy it but Shaq, uh, Super Bowl's going down
1: this weekend you have a quick pick Man, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go with the Rams in the upset. Okay, he's yeah. going with the Rams. Listen,
0: sorry, I know you guys are all going to hate me, but I'm going to go with the Patriots just because, you know, you know, I can't go against the GOAT, Tom Brady. And since ATL is not involved and we lost to them a couple seasons ago, and we all remember that 28-3, to do not remind me, uh, I'm going to have to go with the GOAT, Brady. But uh, I think it's going to be a closely contested battle. Well, Shaq, let's do this whole card start to finish because first up – in the flyweight division, we got Magomed Babulatov. He's 14 and one. He's taken on. The newcomer, Hojerio Bontoren, who's also 14 and 1. Currently, the line has Magomed Bibulatov. He's minus 460, and the comeback on Hojerio Bontoren is plus 365. We already know about Magomed Bibulatov. Very good Russian prospect, but Hojerio Bontoren. Talk about earning your UFC contract. Uh, he earned it on Dana White's using that contender, Shaq.
1: Yeah, man. was kind of lined in that similar range he was his last fight, that minus 4 to 5 range uh, when he fought. Uh, chicano moraga in which he got sparked unconscious uh <laughs> 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 hey it was his first big fight i guess uh it was definitely a big step up in competition considering you know but He he is from russia but lately at the time you know he was fighting guys like free uh what's the guy's name khalil roundtree's brother uh janelle Lauza, you know free, you know taxi taxi cab drivers you know uh you know the typical can but uh second he got that step up i mean he got Blown out the water. I still think he's a good athlete. I still think he's got good kicks, a uh, different variety of kicks, got good wrestling. Uh, he's fast. I think uh, Rodrigo Bontorin, uh, Rogerio Bontarin, I mean, his performance that he had on Contender Series, I mean, he fought a, a undefeated 13-0 and guy, another guy that could have possibly got signed as well. And, I mean, they had an epic war. Bontorin showed that he can uh, prevail through adversity. He got wobbled hard in that second round. But this guy's a well-rounded guy. And if uh, Bublatov thinks... Uh, you know, this is that typical fight where he can just, you know, seal off the rounds with takedowns, you know, and, uh, you know, breeze through a win here, he might have another thing coming, I think Bonturin's a tough Brazilian, but I do think bibolatov is the, uh, more well-rounded fighter, he's very hungry, but, I mean, bibolatov there's been some red flags popping up, man, he pulled out that Sasaki fight the week of, and, you know, yeah, I'm not gonna say anything, but, uh, And then now he's coming back in Brazil. But I I think Bontarin's a got to keep an eye on uh, for win or lose. But uh, I'll go with Bubulatov by close decision.
0: Yeah, I agree, man. I think that if you're parlaying Bubulatov, this could be the recipe for a sweat. Because this kid, Rogerio Bontarin is no joke at all. You have to go back and watch his contender series fight. Because when you want to talk about Hart, you talk about Rogerio Bontarin. I mean, he was... Literally about to get knocked out cold. And then a couple seconds later, he's choking his opponent out. So much respect to Hojera Bontran also, he's got that farmer strength. You know these guys that grew up farming. Uh, my boy Zaleski. They bring something different to the table. He's got that same toughness. He's got that mentality. He hits like a truck. The biggest difference here is that I think Magomed Bibulatov is probably going to be the faster, more explosive guy. So for that reason, I think he probably wins a decision. But, man, if you are betting Bibulatov, get ready for a sweat. Now, next up... In the Bantamweight division, we got Ricardo Ramos. He's he's 12-1, and 1, and Saeed Nurmagomedov is also 12-1. and 1. Ricardo Ramos is a minus-120 favorite. The comeback on Saeed Nurmagomedov is plus-100. Now, initially when it opened, Shaq, uh, Saeed was the favorite. Now Saeed's the underdog. This fight's been
1: going back and forth. Lots of conflicting opinions, so I got to know, man, which way you leaning? Yeah, you know, Saeed's coming off that somewhat controversial win over Scoggins, even though I actually thought he did... Uh, went rounds one and three in that fight, and uh, one thing that a lot of people forget to realize is that was his first fight at flyweight, all his fights previous to that were at bantamweight, or even some at featherweight, you know, he's a very long guy, and uh, as we saw with the past flyweight title fight, TJ, man, you know, that initial cut down to 25, those flyweights are different. Different. It's a different weight class. They're rangy. They're fast. They can land shots real, you know, real quick. And they're just way more agile than bantamweights, man. And uh, he experienced that in that second round. But to be honest with that, man, I felt like he was pushing the pace on Scoggins. I felt like, besides that knockdown, <laughs> I didn't think Scoggins really did much of anything. To be honest, though, he was on his back foot most of the entire fight. Uh, but Saeed, man, he, hes not, you know. The even though his last name is Namagomedov, you know, he's not the the tip. He's not a. He doesn't fight like Khabib, you know. He's more of a, you know. He's got spins. He's got a spin kick, spinning back fists Fly flying knees, very wild. He's very athletic, and I think I'm, I'm expecting to see a better version. Uh, Ramos, on the other hand, a very tested guy for his age man you know he comes in there against Tanaka who at the time had wins over Soto uh you know he got experience and he got through that even though but we know what Ramos's issue is it seems like uh he comes out very hard but it seems like towards the middle of the second and that third round he seems like he uh starts to slow down I think it's just due to his jiu-jitsu is very uh he has to exert a lot of energy, and then towards the later rounds, he starts giving up uh, takedowns. He starts getting his kicks caught. So I definitely think uh, Saeed has a cardio advantage, and especially him with that experience from 25. Used to f- he just fought a guy that's so much more faster than Ricardo. I definitely think he can, uh, with his you know quick, wiry self, I think he can uh, expose Ricardo in the late rounds. I do think Ramos is a better puncher, better striker overall. It seems like he's been getting better, but both these guys are talented guys. I think it's a 50-50 fight. I lean with Saeed just due to I think that he's got more cardio. I think uh, in the late rounds, he's going to be a little more uh, – have a little more hustle. But it's uh, interesting how these guys match up, man, you know, because Ramos has got this, this good jiu and Saeed kind of willingly gives up that back. But it's due to – he's so scrambly that he generally out-hustles these guys and gets on top. So it's uh, going to be a good fight. But I'm going to go with Saeed in an a upset in Brazil.
0: Man, I can see it. This is – This is a 50-50 fight in my eyes. I feel like if you got plus money on either side, then you definitely got some value and made the best man win because initially when it opened and Saeed was the bigger favorite, I mean, some people might have coughed up some plus 145, some plus 130 on Ramos, and assuming you don't have $10 limits, that's a pretty sharp bet. And at the same time, I think this plus 100 on Saeed, if you're trying to take that, I understand as well. So as long as you got plus money on either side, I think it's gonna be a it's gonna be a very fun fight while it lasts. Uh, as far as how they match up stylistically, Ricardo obviously was known for being a jujitsu phenom, but lately he's been focusing a lot on his boxing. As you saw in that Kyung Ho Kang fight, his hands got a lot better. And I'll also say, I don't know if it's a cardio issue or a pacing issue because he does seem to slow down. I mean, that UFC debut, obviously against Tanaka, he was gassed in that second round, but against Hy- uh, Kyung Ho Kang. At the end of the third round, I mean, whenever he wanted to take Hyung ho Kang down, he took him down at will, man. It was kind of impressive how he was just able to be like, all right, if shit's not going my way, I can immediately level change, get this guy down. And he's so big for the weight class. Obviously, his jiu-jitsu is very opportunistic. Just a well-rounded guy that you got to keep an eye out for uh, is Ricardo Ramos. As far as Saeed's con- concerned, man, that dude comes to fight. He's super scrappy. And the fact that he was at flyweight, you know, this guy... Like we talked about with that TJ and Henry fight, it's one thing to drop from featherweight to bantamweight, but when you're dropping from bantamweight to flyweight, you're at the brink, the edge of your body fat. And I mean, these guys look like they're about to die when they drop to 25s. And that was the case with Saeed, and he still went out there and beat Scoggins first and third round. So. He pushes a good pace. He's scrappy, flying knees, spin kicks, uh, just regular roundhouse kicks, big bombs. I really enjoy watching him fight. Scrambly, too. You take this guy down, he will pop back up. And he's got takedowns of his own. You saw that blast double he hit on Scoggins in the third round. So I know Ramos does give up some takedowns, so I expect Saeed to get a couple. But, man, he does leave that opening for the back take that you talked about. I noticed that as well, and Ricardo said he's going to choke him out. So that's not going to surprise me, but I personally see it being a three-round fight. Man, it could go either way. I'll, I'll go with uh, with Ricardo, but man, may the best man win. This is one of the best fights on the entire card, and I cannot wait to see uh, how this one goes down. Man, if someone's dominant here, holy shit, right? So, going into this fight, before the fact, it's 50 50 in my eyes. I'll lean with Ricardo. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got two newcomers. We got Geraldo de Freitas, he's 11 4, and Felipe Cobacal Colares is 8 0. They currently got. Geraldo de Freitas, minus 130. The comeback on Felipe Cobacal-Colaris is plus 110. Now, Shaq, it opened a pick-em. Now uh, the favorite is Geraldo de Freitas. There's plus money on Felipe Cobacal-Colaris. We watched them briefly. I got to know, man. Which way are you leaning?
1: I'll just be quick with this. I'll take Colares. I mean, from what I see, uh, Freitas, all his fights are abandoned weight. Says the fights have featherweight. I think uh, Colares has better jiu-jitsu. Strong uh, black belt. Freitas probably better boxing, but I think the size will just be too much, so I got Colares.
0: Yeah, Felipe Colares definitely has a very strong wrestling game, at least on the regional scene, uh, and some good jujitsu as well. He is undefeated. The thing about Geraldo de Freitas, even though he has fought at a lower weight class, it seems like similar to Saeed, he could go up a weight class. You know, he's a long, tall guy and he's pretty dynamic too, man. Decent striking, but I've also seen him mix in takedowns as well. And he's also had his fair share of setbacks. You know, he's had four losses. He knows what it's like to come back, and we always talk about how everyone has to take that first L. So I'll go on the opposite side here, man. I'll take Geraldo de Freitas, but uh, it could be a competitive fight, as the line indicates. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, we got Junior Albinis, 14-4, and Jerzinho and Rosenstrike is 6-0. and 0. Junior, Albinis, Junior Albinis, minus 120. The comeback on Jerzinho Rosenstrike is plus one hundred. Shaka, uh, I know Junior Albini is not gonna ask for an autograph in the middle of the cage like he did against Arlovsky this time. You might have to change his diaper though. So I gotta know, man, you going with the newcomer Rosenstrike or you going with uh the now vet Albini? Yeah,
1: it's a interesting fight. Probably close to fifty-fifty fight. Albini's been, you know, his last fight with Alexi. I mean, Alexi gets a lot of guys in that. So you know, uh, I guess I could say no shame, but you know the way it unfolded no shame. the way it unfolded was kind of embarrassing um but then you know his fight with Arlovsky, he didn't pull the trigger and even as you know his strength is his boxing but even technically speaking he leaves a lot of openings on the feet. his defense is not the best uh i think Albini was a i don't want to say a hype job he only won one fight but you know i think he caught tim johnson on a good on a on a bad day so as far as roton strike uh, i see he's got some kickboxing credentials But, you know, I'm not really impressed with him either. I think both of these guys are, you know, just going to be heavyweight washouts. But I'll take Rosenstrike since he's the uh, underdog. I think uh, in fights like this, I always take the underdog. I think uh, Albini leaves a lot of openings on the feet. And uh, so does Rosenstrike as well. But I think uh, Rosenstrike will catch him early with one.
0: Yeah, look, Rosenstrike actually comes from a kickboxing background. Very explosive, dangerous left hook. With Albini you know, they kind of were trying to hype him up because I think he actually comes out of Astro Fight Team, which is pretty damn good camp, man. It's just that... You know, similar to Fortis MMA, uh, they got their really good guys and, you know, at lightweight, at, at welterweight, at middleweight, but then their heavyweight Rashad Coulter kind of sucks. Well, here in Astro Fight Team, they got really good guys in the lower weights, but their heavyweight Junior Albini uh, is, is a can. But as far as his matchup's concerned, he does have a path to victory because Jerzinho Rosenstrike, has zero ground game. You take this guy down once and he's not getting back up. It's just can you trust Junior Albini to be smart enough to make that decision because he strikes me as... Someone who likes to stand up and bang as well. So I do think that if they stand, that Jerzinho probably will be the cleaner guy. But, man, he's only 6-0. He's transitioning from another sport. One thing you need in the UFC is a ground game. I'm not convinced he has that. But I'm not convinced Junior has it either. For the sole fact that I will never pick Junior Albini ever again, I will go with Jerzinho Rosenstrike. But money-wise, uh, sa- save your money. Now, next up In the flyweight division, we got Mara Romero Borella. She's 11-5, and and Tyla Santos is 15-0. Currently, they got Tyla Santos, minus 165. The comeback on Mara Romero Borella is plus 145. Well, Shaq, the newcomer, making the UFC debut with an undefeated record, and she's actually the home favorite against uh, Mara Romero Borella, who's coming off a very close decision with Caitlyn ChuKagan. So I got to know, man, who you got?
1: Yeah, it's a good matchup. I like S- Santos's fight on the contender series. 15 and 0. Yeah, a lot of those wins were against uh cans, you know, soccer moms, but hey, I, I got to see the the skills in a three-round fight and the- on the UFC level and she definitely uh Perform well, complete domination, jujitsu, Muay Thai. You don't see girls with Muay Thai at that level. You know, Marabella, I think she's a nice girl, but I think she's a very timid girl. If you look at her record, she has been KO'd on three different occasions. I think she's very scared to get hit on the chin. I think she's scared to commit. I think her strength is probably her, her, her uh, wrestling grappling, but uh, even when she gets on top, man, you can't even trust her there uh, in certain times. You saw when she got on top of Chukagin. Chukagin instantly had her in a triangle armbar, and I've seen it multiple times on the invicta scene as well i think santos honestly rolls here man i think she puts on a muay thai clinic i wouldn't be shocked if she got her out of there but I, I see some i could see some knockdowns here as well i just think uh the power the ferocity this girl's training uh you know she's got good takedown defense we saw her you know push that head down so i got uh santos by 30 26 if not a finish yeah this is a really interesting fight because
0: when it first got announced uh you know, I remember Morella Barella's UFC debut against Kalindra Faria. Took her down in the first round, tapped her out. First round finish. You don't often see chicks going out there getting first round finishes, so that was impressive. But then her next fight with Caitlyn Chukagan, you know, there was a stat that Caitlyn Chukagan. Uh, <laughs> did in that fight and you know the commentators were talking about it and i believe it's something among the lines of she landed 20 of 150 strikes just think about that for a second 21 of 128 <laughs> what was that 21 of 128 she she landed 21 of 128 strikes okay just think about that for a second and she won the fight with those strikes that should just tell you everything you need to know about morella borella's willingness to stand with someone you know because When you go back and you realize that she has been KO'd stiff by Anna Elmos, you know, hey, that was 2015. Now she's training at ATT. Maybe she's a new person. But then you watch the Chukagan fight, you see that stat 21 of 128 strikes landed. That's uh, pretty fucking sad, man. She's very scared to get hit. Her chin is suspect. She is a black belt in judo. But the thing about Tyler Santos is, firstly, I saw her takedown defense on Contender Series, she's got the basics down. But more importantly, I know that she has her own private D1 wrestling coach with her in Brazil, so I know she's addressing that every single day. Also, about how good is her striking, well, you guys remember Marina Rodriguez, who went to that controversial draw with Randa Marcos, all of us thought she won. Well, Tyler Santos beat Marina Rodriguez in a pure Muay Thai competition. We all know Marina Rodriguez is a Muay Thai uh, champion, so... That's how good Tyla Santos uh, Muay Thai is. And obviously I mentioned she's got the takedown defense. She's got the D1 wrestler with her. How's her jujitsu? Well, she fought a black belt on Contender Series. She took that black belt's back in the third round. So I don't see this as striker versus grappler. I see this as a well-rounded fighter versus a one-dimensional fighter. So for that reason, I have Tyla Santos to win a decision. It could be a 30-27 or it could also be a, a knockout. Now, next up in the welterweight division... We got Tiago Pitbull Alves. He's 22 and 13. That's a lot of fight, check. He's taking on Max Payne Griffin, who is 14 and five, and currently they got Max Griffin. He's minus 200. The comeback on Tiago Pitbull is plus 170. I gotta know, man. You think there's value in uh, the home underdog? Or are you taking uh, the young man, Max Griffin here?
1: Yeah, well, if you ask Jose Aldo, these Brazilians that moved uh, out the country aren't Brazilian anymore. But but, uh, yeah, I think Griffin's actually going to roll here, man. You know, Griffin, he doesn't have the best UFC record, but when you look at the guys that he's been thrown in there against at the early stages in his UFC career, Covington, uh, Zaleski, Melender... Had to fight a Mexican in his hometown, so, I mean... Tough you know, winner. Yeah, tough winner. I mean, the, guy, uh, the guy's been doing, man, Mike Perry in, in his, his hometown. hometown. So, Max Griffin, I mean, this guy is very tested. Uh, and I think, you know, this fight is where he's probably going to get to showcase just his improvements uh, through this little step, man. You know, this guy's paid his dues on the local scene. I got mad respect for Tiago Alves, and occasionally Tiago has a great performance. But I just think Tiago at this stage is just, you know... <sighs> I don't want to say too chinny to pull the trigger, but it just seems like he is. You know, he's very cautious about his chin, especially after the <clears throat> after the Melinda fight. I know he's been fighting big uh, giants, but Griffin's Griffin's a guy with very deceptive power, man. If Griffin hits you on the chin, you could definitely feel it. He dropped Elizu. Him and Colby had a, a few good exchanges uh, early as well. So I got Griffin actually by knockout here.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can totally see it. You know, oftentimes when you got the young guy fighting the established vet, you got to make sure that it's not the classic uh, legend letdown. You know, for example, Edson Barbosa versus Dan Hooker, a spot like that. The reason I don't view it like that is because when we talk about Edson versus Dan Hooker, Edson's still a perennial top five, top six guy. Top <laughs> you know, uh, with uh, Tiago, I was, you know, perennial top 30 you know you know what i'm saying back in the day he was a he was the number one contender but that, that was ufc 100 man <laughs> you know it's about to be a ufc 234 or 235 or something like that coming up so it's been a long time since tiago was the number one contender and i mean ever since his fight with gsp we know he's, he's been completely inconsistent but as far as this matchup's concerned look like we've been saying on half the battle every single time tiago pitbull has a fight once every couple of years, he comes out there and styles on guys, puts
1: on that Muay Thai clinic, and is like, oh shit, he's back. The but is that really true? Because he only did that like once, because the mean fight was a fluke win. Fucking, the last time he won a fight before that was fucking, so Co- the only clinics he had was Kote and John, John Howard, Howard, which is like eight years apart. <laughs> hey. So it's like once every four years. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, listen, man, so you're saying he's due for another one is, is what you're saying, well,
1: huh? Well, no, you had one like a year ago. Kote two was years. 2016. Okay, so, yeah, he might be due for one here soon. You know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> I I just personally don't think it's going to happen here, man. I think Max Griffin's too big, uh, too fresh, too much power. You know, you see that fight with Zaleski, and I'm not convinced that Tiago Alves is capable of going through that kind of war at this point in his career, maybe back in the day, but not right now. So, you know. This is the fight game Father Time waits for no man and Father Time is undefeated. I got Max Griffin. Most likely via knockout. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got Anthony Fluffy Hernandez, he's 6 and 0, oh, and Marcus Maluco Perez is 10 and 2. And currently they got Anthony Hernandez, he's -165. The comeback on Marcus Maluco Perez is +145. A lot of action coming in on Marcus Perez. He's a uh, He's the popular underdog here. I got to know, man, because we have bet him in the past. We max bet him against James Boknovic, came through there. That's the only time we've ever bet him. Do you think he's worth a shot here at Dog Money?
1: Maluko, I'm a fan. I I got that win over Heinisch on the local scene. He's got great jiu-jitsu. Hernandez is actually a black belt himself as well. Definitely less uh, experienced than Maluko. Maluko, one thing I'll say about him is, it's almost like he's always at a disadvantage. He's very undersized for middleweight. I mean, let's just be honest. He's probably too big to make welterweight, but he's just small for middleweight. Man, these guys can outmuscle him unless he's fighting a complete can like Boshnevic. Um <laughs> As we saw his last fight, you know, the skill level between him and Sanchez really wasn't that far apart. It was really came down to the tie-ups. The fact that Sanchez could stall him out against the fence because he's the bigger guy, and we saw what Anders did. He really wasn't like a, it was a ugly ugly fight. It was just one guy's a linebacker and one guy's... A welterweight. A welterweight, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> it was really like a football practice, man. So I think Maluko's at a disadvantage in most of these fights he's going to be in. Of course, he's he's been training at ATT for this fight. We could definitely see some improvements. We saw him pro- we've saw we been seeing improvements from him fight to fight. It's just a matter of Hernandez, who I've seen utilize a clinch game uh, early on in his fights. He's also got power in his hands. He, this guy's actually been brought up by Griffin. You know, Griffin kind of Groom this kid into the spot, and I'm a slightly lean Hernandez man. I just think Maluco's techniques are kind of. I like his left kick, but I just think that he really doesn't have much control or he doesn't really understand the situational part of the game. You know, there's certain things you can't do at certain times of fights. And, you know, you can't go for spins and then get your back taken and, you know, the most telegraph spin. And we're talking spins that start, you know, from from your legs and then come all the way up here. You know, just shit that's probably not going to work out, but I'm a fan of him. But uh, I'm going to just take Anthony Hernandez by a grueling, grueling decision.
0: Yeah, you know, Marcus Maluka is a guy that I like to bet if he's the underdog or if he's fighting a can. And I say if he's the underdog. He's the underdog right now, and I'm not you know, fancying a bet on him in this spot. But the thing is, man... If he's going up there against a can, you can expect him to go out there and crush them, most likely in the first round. I mean, even Ian Heinrich, that's not a can at all, and he finished him in the first round. So Marcus Maluko is very capable. He's very talented. But like Shaq said, he's so undersized for that weight class. And more importantly than that, look, he's got the skills, no doubt about it. kicks super hard like you saw in the Sanchez fight, and also his jiu is on point. He's a black belt. For me, it's about the mental with Marcus Malugo. Not that he's not tough. He's tough as fuck. I'm saying it's more about the decision-making. I feel like he does some really dumb shit. For example, the the Sanchez fight. He lands four beautiful body kicks, uh, clearly getting the better of the stand-up exchanges. And when I talk about <laughs> he gives up the round with, with his spins, I mean, it's not just going for one little spin, no big deal, whatever, you know, like Ricardo Ramos did to, uh, to Zahabi, knocked him out cold, perfect timing, all that. Here... My boy Maluka will go for a spin, then he'll get completely off balance, then he'll fall to his knees, then he'll give up his back, then he'll lose the round. And it's like, Maluka, are you serious? So that's the guy you guys want to trust with your money here going big against Anthony Hernandez? Look, good luck. I-, I hope he wins for you. It's just that even though Hernandez is inexperienced, even though he's only 6-0, and I like what I've seen, man. I know he gets into bad positions as well, but he has a way of getting out of them, and he has a way of just coming back and winning those fights, man. And you saw that beatdown he put on Brendan Allen in LFA. That was very serious, and only UFC-ready guys go out there and beat Brendan Allen. I also think this will be a close fight because Marcus Perez, even though he makes those dummy mistakes, the dude's got skills. He's a very talented guy. He's definitely a good fighter. I hope he keeps his spot in the company, but I think little decisions he makes – will cost him this fight so for that reason i also have anthony hernandez via decision now next up in the strawweight division we got livia henata souza she's 12-1 and 1. sarah frota is 9-0 and 0. and currently they got livia henata souza at minus 220 and the comeback on sarah frota is plus 180 well shaq this ain't the minus a thousand like livia was against alex chambers uh what do you think man you think there's a potential close fight
1: yeah, man, uh Olivia Souza she's the former Invicta champ. Uh, she definitely steamrolled Chambers like uh, the way you know you should. And then Froda, I mean, man, her contender series fight was absolutely brutal. She KO'd a girl stiff, a chick that she had already KO'd previously, but uh she did KO her stiff and Froda, I mean, she's a big straw She's definitely slimmed down to some of the, you know, film out on, on her uh in the past, man, she's had, fight, had fights at bantamweight, flyweight, so she's definitely in shape, uh, looks lean. Man, most girls, she's got that till game plan, you know, with the Astra fight team, and she's also a black belt as well. Seems like she doesn't like to fight the takedowns, you know, uh, the most, and she's definitely going to be in there with a serious takedown threat this time. Sousa's going to be undersized here dramatically. I wouldn't say dramatically, but she's going to be undersized here quite a bit. And she's undersized in pretty much every fight, man. She's she's small, but the thing with Susa is, she her you know she's a black belt, of course, but uh, you know you'd wonder like how does she get these chicks to the ground? if she's so small, man. It's just the the technicality of her takedowns, man. She's got all type of tricks and getting girls down. I mean, she could get it stuffed but then hook the leg and then you know uh still get on top man she's a serious black belt so froda i definitely think uh even though she's a black belt as well i think livia is the higher level black belt and one thing i will say is though one flaw that livia has is due to her her being so small when they when she gets back up from the grappling she's a little tired and she backs immediately straight into the fence to catch her breath and if she does that against froda froda's a big power puncher man froda might really put her on her ass, so I think this fight could actually uh, be lined a little bit closer, the only thing that worries me about Froda is that takedown defense, you know, but maybe, you know, she's a little lighter this time, maybe she, uh, UFC, she takes it a little more seriously, maybe she comes out here and uh, puts that left on her chin, if she puts that left on her chin, there's a good chance uh, Livia and Natsuzis feels it, but I agree with Livia being favored, maybe not that much, but as a pick-wise, I gotta go with Livia just because I think that the technicality of the takedowns is just going to be slightly too much. I think it's going to be a close battle, but I do think she'll just, you know, get enough takedowns to scrape this one up.
0: Man, this is going to be a good-ass fight. And one thing I'll say about Sarah Froda, you watch her regional scene fights, then you watch her contender series fight. Day and night difference. I mean, she had potential on the regional scene i saw her going out there finishing these girls but her physique wasn't looking as good and it seemed like she could have dropped a weight class she did drop a weight class then you see her on contender series at 115 and it's like oh fuck like and i know people criticize the fact that you know she kind of strikes with her chin in the air and listen guys this ain't this ain't the male this ain't a male weight class this is a female weight class uh these chicks don't really capitalize on girls with chins in the air however if you do bring one punch knockout power to the table in one of the, the women's divisions right now cuz we're still in you know the infancy i mean this is still the beginning of women's mma right now the one punch knockout artist that shit counts for a fucking lot And Sarah Froda with that vicious K-On contender series, she's going to give a lot of girls problems from that southpaw stance. She loves her left hand. I mean, it's like Darren Till at 115 pounds with a couple tattoos on her face. You know, that's what Sarah Froda is, man. So she's going to be a very exciting addition to this weight class. But welcoming her to the UFC is Levinha Henata Souza, who, man, this chick is serious. I know she's tiny for the weight class, but her jujitsu is so damn good. And if you're not that good at striking – She has no problem going out there and knocking you out either. Just ask a Deanna Bennett, ask a... Kamasaki or whatever her name is you know she went out there she finished them both in the first round man but against Sarah Froda I do think that she's going to want to play it a little safer get this fight to the mat and Sarah Froda is a black belt but I don't think she's going to be attacking triangles or get close on submission attempts against Hanata Souza I think simply she's going to be on her back and it's up to her to get back up and that's where I'm not confident that she'll be able to get back up on the feet it's going to be it's going to be a sweat isn't
1: to be going Frodo's well.
0: <laughs> If you bet Souza, while this fight stays standing, you will be sweating. But on the mat, as long as you guys can be like, "All right, Livia, take her down, take her down, keep her down," she should be fine because she's able to just chain those takedowns and she can get them from from anywhere man some of that shit i saw on her fight before her ufc debut was super impressive you know because she wasn't able to finish that girl she had to go all three rounds but the fact that she was able to keep chaining those takedowns together and they were jujitsu takedowns too i was like god damn man especially for the smaller fighter so she really is the brazilian gangster uh but yeah man i think it's gonna be a closely contested fight i will lean with livia to win a decision here now next up in the light heavyweight division We got Justin Ledet, he's 9-1, and And Johnny Walker, he's 15-3, and And currently they got Johnny Walker, he's minus 200, Justin Ledet is plus 170, so Justin Ledet went from being 3-0 in the UFC, now he's 3-1, and man, he loses this fight, he's potentially one fight away from being 500, but he's taking on this newcomer, Johnny Walker, I say newcomer, it's his second UFC appearance, man, He impressed a lot of people as a big underdog against Khalil Roundtree. He knocked him out in the first round, which no one has done yet inside the UFC's octagon. So I got to know, man, is uh, Johnny Walker, or as they like to say, Johnny Walker, is he going to make it two wins in a row here?
1: Yeah, man, Ledet, you know, I kind of feel like his style might be more suitable against those bigger, plottier, slower heavyweights. I mean, Ledet's your basic boxer, man. He's going to try to jab your head off, and he's going to stick to that jab all night long. And, you know, against guys that are slow and don't move their head, he'll probably, you know, do a lot better. But now he's fighting guys that are a little more agile. You know, he's a little more sucked out now. He's fighting the ratchets and now this kid, Johnny Walker, who's bouncing up and down, switching stances devastating power he's also been killed stiff but you know Ledette i feel like man there's just something about him you know just some interviews i've been hearing from him just seems like he doesn't i don't want to say he lacks the drive but it seems like he lacks the drive man it just seems like he just is very nonchalant about things man and you know uh it's worked out for him in the past he's only lost one fight so maybe i'm a little bit too critical but i got johnny walker here i just think that Ledette's style is going to be is more suitable at heavyweight I think uh, you know here he's a, a sucker for low kicks. I think he's a sucker just to be kicked in general. He's just a a, a tall upright guy that's looking at jab. So you know I think uh, Johnny Walker's actually gonna style here, man. I think he's gonna get a finish.
0: I'll tell you what, for Johnny Walker, the improvements he made from Contender Series to his UFC debut were night and day. I mean, he showed glimpses on that Contender Series fight, you know, the flying knees, his clinch game, his athleticism. But when he went out there against Khalil Roundtree, you know, it's one thing to submit Khalil, but to knock him out in the first round and not take any shots, I thought that was pretty damn impressive. I know we make fun of Khalil all the time, but we kind of know that most of the time, besides, you know, the Polish guy, most of the time you got to take this guy down to win. So the fact that Johnny knocked him out standing that— That was a statement, man. And also, physically speaking, the kid's an athlete. He's got a presence about him. He's very, very confident. And when you talk about Justin Ledet, UFC debut, beautiful job with the jabs against uh, Chase Sherman. I mean, popped the dude's head back. Literally laid the blueprint on how to beat Chase Sherman. Showed everyone that the kid's a a walking punching bag, man. And uh, obviously, the next fight against Godbeer choked him out. But then the next one against Zoo, uh, it was a little bit, you know, maybe the drug test this, drug test that. But I I hear not a steroid user right here is a weed smoker. So I don't really know if it was just the fact that maybe he's just not that good or if it was indeed had to do with the with the drug test. So I'm going to just go with, uh, you know, maybe it was a tough matchup. You know, he's fighting a 265-pound man that night, right? But against Rakic, and I know Rakic is, you know, top two, top three, light heavyweight prospects on the roster. It's going to probably have a really big fight next and all that stuff. I know Rakic is the real deal. But it's one thing to lose to a guy that's a real deal that's the real deal it's another thing to lose to a guy the way he did bell to bell domination and it's just the damage he took in that fight man he looks so outsized and a guy dropping from heavyweight looked outsized at light heavyweight it just uh it was the kind of ass whooping where i'm questioning if he'll be able to recover from it then shack alluded to the interviews we've been hearing to me he's one of these guys that you know feels like the ufc owes him something a little bit bitter and usually when guys have that kind of negative mindset it doesn't translate to victories and he knows he's being brought into brazil for one reason one reason only get johnny walker that win i think that's what's going to happen so i'm going with the favorite johnny walker now shit's about to get real because lightweight division charles du bronx he's 25 and 8 and david Tamor is 8 and 1 and currently they got charles du bronx minus 115 and david Tamor minus 105 so it's a pick em with a slight lean on charles du bronx David Tamor was the favorite last week. So, again, similar to Saeed and Ricardo, if you got plus money on either side, much respect, sit back, enjoy it. But for those that don't, and they currently see this pick-em press, what, what do you think, Shaq? I mean, you
1: think uh, David Tamor can weather this jiu-jitsu storm or not? Yeah, it's going to be – we really haven't seen his actual jujitsu jitsu skills uh, necessarily, at least in his uh, UFC run. I know he had that loss on tough. But, uh, I mean, Tamor – I rate him as a very high prospect. I I've, I've been on that Taymor chain for a while, man. I think he's a, a great fighter. We know what he's up against. He's up against the greatest submission uh the greatest submission uh, expert the sport has ever seen. I mean, he's got the most submissions ever. Uh he's also one of the you know Bigger quitters in the uh, (laughs) the division as well. But he's been doing a good job with the quitting. But, you know, when I look at those last few opponents, man, that he's been beating, at least, you know, Clay Guida who's been submitted like 10 times. You know, Jim Miller, who's lost like four – I know it was against the best in the world, and he was coming off that win over uh, Alex. But, I mean – jim ain't winning no other fight just put it that way um, and uh and christos Giagos, you know what i'm saying and before that he's got sub wins over jury he's got he's got a great resume like i said the greatest submission uh artist and sport have ever seen there's really not any you know facts to say taymore is going to be able to get out of this to get out of this uh Submission if Charles can get him to the mat. You know, Charles is very good at catching kicks. Taymor throws a lot of kicks. So, you know, that's what the fight could come down to. But one thing I think uh, people are kind of overlooking or not paying attention to is just, you know, Taymor... The reason why I kind of rate him higher than, you know, the, the normal lightweight prospect is this guy's very alert in there, man. This, guy is very, this guy's eyes are wide open. He knows where he's at at all times in that cage. He knows exactly when his back's about to touch that fence. He knows the, sec- the second that happens, he's got to go side to side. The guy's movement patterns are, uh, you know, top-notch, man. I mean, he's frustrating everyone with that movement. You make one step one way, he's blasting you with that left kick, and, you know, Charles... I think uh, on the feet, I think, you know, he's definitely... One thing I'll say is in these fights that he's, uh, you know, styling, and he's got better stand-up than these guys, man. He's got better stand-up than Clay Guida, Jim Miller, and uh, Christos Giagos. man. Here, he's at a complete disadvantage in the stand-up, in my opinion. Of course, he can catch the kick, but not only the kick. If Charles makes one, you know, just very telegraphed, moved in... Tamar will slide away and crack him with the hands as well. We've seen it time and time again against Lando Venata. I know y'all remember that Jason Novelli KO, a very tall, upright guy as well. So, you know, I think, uh, of course, Charles might sub him. You got to live with that for sure. But I actually think that Tamar is going to put Charles away, man. I think that Charles, you know, hasn't been going through any adversity in these fights, man. Uh, When we saw that Felder fight the second, of course, he ran Felder through the entire arsenal of subs. But Second second, they came out in the second round, man, the guy was looking for a way out, just like he always does. And I think uh, it'll be no different here. I think Taymor's, you know, his composure, his movement, you know, just uh, his standard Muay Thai in control of his weapons. I think he's actually going to get past this very tough test. And if he gets past this test, keep an eye out for Taymor.
0: I mean, even if he doesn't get past this test, keep an eye out, man, because... The thing with Charles Bronx is anyone can get tapped out in the first round by this guy, including Taymor. So it's not really going to be that big of a shame for me to see Taymor get tapped out here. It just comes down to a couple things. You know, how good is David Taymor's defensive jiu Because I say defensive because I don't expect David Taymor to come out here, blast double Charles, get on top, pass. Try- you know
1: what, my boy, <laughs> David uh, Taymor's defenses, eye pokes and... Uh... And a lot of cheating. I will say this.
0: <laughs> he currently has a better eye poke game than John Jones. <laughs> like, bro, that shit he was doing as Lentz, defending takedowns with eye pokes, like literally pulling his eyes. I was like, bro, like, hey, that's some next level cheating. Ref didn't take a point. Like, fuck yeah, you know? So he definitely has to do that. And another thing he has to do, he has to hit Charles DuBronx in the body. I mean, or the chin. You know, we've seen both of those are pretty suspect in the past. It's just that one mistake, one slip on a kick one you know overextension what one, one mistake and this guy takes your back you know this isn't Nick Lentz anymore this is a guy that finished Nick Lentz twice this isn't Dracar Close who's gonna put his hands up in the air 10 seconds into the fight this isn't Lando who you know my boy Lando is uh, struggling right now this, this ain't fucking Novelli or Martin Svensson either you know that being said though if if David Tamor can fight the hands get back up to his feet And Charles DuBronx is going to flop, and then he's going to start quitting. He's going to start shooting from a mile out. Tamor can hit him with a body shot, get him out. So there's definitely that possibility. It's just about what happens in that initial jiu-jitsu storm. I personally haven't seen the evidence to prove that he can get out of it, even though I have seen some impressive things. I've seen him get right back up from side control bottom. I was like, oh, shit, Tamor's got some some moves, man. He's putting in the work. He's got the good anti-wrestling, the good grappling defense. It's just against Charles, it's a different level. Will Taymor keep that same composure if uh, is running him through the, the series of the chokes, like he did to Felder in that first round, you know? Because I know Felder trains with Daniel Vanderlei with his jujitsu, so I know that he's calm, but is Taymor going to be calm in that situation? I really have no idea, man. So I'm just going to say that uh, Charles Dubronx taps him out in the first round. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got Damian Maya. He's 25-9, and Lyman Good is 20-4. And currently they got Damian Maya minus 170. The comeback on Lyman Good is plus 150. So, uh, Shaq, historically speaking, Lyman Good's takedown defense has been pretty shitty. Against Damian Maia, uh, you can't have any weakness in that part of your game. But it has been a while since we've seen, you know, someone take uh, Lyman to the ground for an extended period of time. I know Zaleski did it recently, but I'm talking extended. So I got to know, is Damian Maya going to be the first guy since I believe Ben
1: Askren or Rick Hahn or even that guy on uh, Tough to – Take this guy down and neutralize him. Yeah, I mean, we know what Damien's coming with. He's coming with the relentless takedown uh, game plan. It didn't work against the three best wrestlers in the division. It's probably going to work here. Only concern is, you know, where, you know, uh, Lyman lacks in wrestling. Uh, You know, you would say he he makes up in power. He does have 10 KOs, even though when you really watch him strike, he doesn't necessarily pull the trigger as much as you would like. But he's got 10 KOs, so you know uh props to him i think he just naturally has power man he's a big muscular guy he's pro for a long time he's 20 and 4 he's fought some of the best of the best i just think that he's not going to be able to stuff the takedowns i mean i could see it being close just uh damien you know although i think he's way better on the mat and he he can he can keep up his shot fairly well you know you never you know truly know at this stage man you know after the first round he might just be completely gassed out, you know, so you never truly know. I think I think he'll still be able to get the takedown, so I will pick Damian Maya, but you know, uh oh nothing would shock me in that fight.
0: You mentioned how he lost to the three best wrestlers in the division. This is true. But what we really need to say is he lost to the three best fighters in that division because woodley's the champ kamara's the number one contender and colby's the number two contender and you can flip colby and kamara doesn't matter but bottom line those are the top three guys in that weight class and yes on one hand uh you know he did lose to the three best guys on the other hand he took damage from the three best guys but that being said all those guys have wrestling backgrounds all those guys two of those guys are d1 the other one's d2 so that's something that Lyman good doesn't have in his back pocket that's something he's never had that's something he never will have I mean just go back let's not even talk about his tough fight let's not even talk about the Ben Askren fight let's talk about the Zaleski fight 10 seconds into that fight he gets a kick caught he's on his back and if you think Damian is not gonna not about to catch a kick if you think Damian is not about to capitalize on a little opening and take this guy down you're in for a rude awakening. It just comes down to that to that cardio, man. Because we know back in that Rory McDonald fight, you know, after that first round, Damien he, he was the walking mummy in that fight. You know, he was a walking punching bag for the second and third round. But one thing I noticed that his fight with Colby, even though he was left in a pool of his own blood, his cardio was actually better compared to the to the Rory fight. There were part there were times in that Rory fight where I was like, dude, like they can probably consider maybe stopping it. But in the Colby fight, you know what? He took his ass whooping like a man. But as far as this matchup's concerned, Lyman can't stuff a takedown. I know he hits really hard. I know he comes from a great camp. Tiger Shulman, amazing fighters over there. They're all really well-rounded. Uh, it's just that when I talk about how they're well-rounded, you saw Shane Burgos, he got dropped, and then he went for an arm bar off his back. It was like, oh shit, these guys got jujitsu too. But Lyman ain't about to be attacking arm bars on Damian Maia. I just think when he hits the mat, it's going to be over uh, shortly after. I actually see Damian Maia not just winning this fight, I see him tapping out Lyman Good with a rear naked choke. And then I see Damian Maia putting his gloves down in the center of the octagon and retiring in Brazil. So it's been an incredible career. I see Damian Maia coming through as the favorite here via submission. Co-main event of the evening. We got Jose Aldo Jr. He's 27-4. And, and Renato Moicano-Carnero is 13-1-1. One and one. Currently, they got Hinato Moicano, minus 140, the comeback on Jose Aldo Jr. at plus 120. Shaq, it's not often we see that dog money next to Jose Aldo's name. Is he a live dog in this spot?
1: Yeah, man. Jose's a live dog in pretty much any fight. He's got a great record. Hanato. Uh, he's been, man, ever since his loss to Ortega, he's definitely, since that move to ATT, he's definitely, it's definitely been paying off. He's just gained so much physical strength size. He's got that American strength and conditioning now. We saw what he did to Calvin Katarin. You know, someone would counter me. Calvin's nowhere near Jose's level. You know, Jose's still got it, man. You know, he's still a great fighter. But then Hanato's follow-up performance of Cub Swanson where he completely, you know, wiped him out. Uh, I mean, Cub was just put it this way. If you ask Cub who's the best fighter he's fought, uh, he'll probably say Not some time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jose also wiped Cub out.
1: <laughs> yeah, in seven seconds. But, but uh, you know, you know, you should have heard some of the stuff Cub was saying before that fight too. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Jose still got him, man. I think uh, at this stage in his career, he's more of a one-dimensional boxer at this point. But uh, I don't. I think he throws his low kicks occasionally, no more than five times a fight um they're gonna be hard ones but i think the main the main thing he has to uh, hanato has to be concerned with is just his punching power man i think uh he still hits very hard even though it necessarily hasn't translated to the most knockouts the guy's still a very capable boxer i feel like that's pretty much all he's sticking to these days his his win over uh jeremy was very uh was impressive man he showed that there's a, a level you know there's levels to this and jeremy's not on that level but Let's not forget Hanato beat Jeremy like two and a half years ago. <laughs> as an unranked guy coming off a win over plus uh, one sixty dollars Yeah, coming off a win over Zubera Tsukugov. You know, he he beat Jeremy Stevens as well. So I think is very capable. The one thing he's got to worry about is those hands. But as long as Hinato keeps his chin down and extends Jose, I think we're gonna see the same issues that uh always, you know, pop up in Jose's losses recently. I know, you know, he's a legend, but it's not the same guy. I still think the guy Currently, is still a great fighter. Don't get me wrong, but this guy currently still's got a cardio problem. I think the guy uh, doesn't move his head, even though he's got some little head movement there. But against when I say doesn't move his head, I mean against that long rangy guy like Moikano, he can try to move his head all he wants. <laughs> he's gonna be too tired eventually, man. I think
0: uh, you're saying like he might slip the first two punches. Yeah, he might slip the first, but
1: the third one is gonna connect. You know, he'll slip the first two, but the third and fourth will connect and. Uh, I think Hanato uh, just needs to extend him, make this a uh, you know an extended fight. I think his cardio will prevail, the size will prevail. Jose's gonna have to take some big steps in as the fight progresses, leave himself open. I, I believe he'll get countered. I wouldn't be shocked if Hanato was low kicking him, out, low kicking him. Well, I think the range is gonna be as the fight is early on. It's gonna be very scary, but as it uh plays throughout, I think Hinato will get this 29-28, possibly even 29-27 with a knockdown in one of those rounds.
0: I cannot wait for this fight. I know they got Hinato listed at, as, you know, 5'10", 5'11", but between you and me, he's 6'1". I've heard that directly from people that train with him at ATT. He's the tallest man in the featherweight division. I mean, him and uh, Zabit Magomed sherpa the only difference here is that Hinato's a top three guy. He's got the skills. He fights tall. The only issue with the tall guys is if you're tall, tall men have tall man defense, so... Every time in the first round of every Hanato fight, he's always going to get hit with at least one big shot. We know Jose Aldo hits really fucking hard, man. So Hanato's just got to be wary of that early – I don't want to say early storm because because Jose is a very – he's patient. He's smart. He's, I mean, one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in UFC history, man. And uh, about the leg kicks, this – myth or whatever that the leg kicks are i mean he threw fucking five leg kicks against jeremy stevens they were all pretty fucking hard man he also threw like four against max it's just that it really depends on who the opponent is you know i feel like ever since he broke his foot against korean zombie yeah he's not letting it go like he did against faber but what you got to understand about faber is that faber's never checked kicks throughout his entire career now you're dealing with guys like henato moikana they're gonna check kicks man this is the new generation coming up As far as uh, Henato and Jose, stylistically speaking, we know Jose's boxing is pretty fucking good. Uh, I actually really like his head movement, man. But I agree with you that he might slip the first two, but then that third or fourth, that's where he's going to start getting tagged. But I don't think that's going to happen until the second or the third round. I think the first round, there's going to be a little bit of a feeling out process, but I also think they're going to trade some really hard shots. What I'm wondering is... You know, once Jose starts doing the Nova, which we like to talk about, you know, when uh, when he starts backing up into the fence and eating shots like all the guys from Nova and Yao do, when he hits that fatigue state, when that starts happening, what kind of shots is Hinato going to get off on? Because you saw that Cater fight, man. He's mixing in his punches to his kicks. He's mi- mixing it up to the body, to the legs. I actually think Hinato can land some leg kicks on Jose Aldo. So, man, it's going to be really interesting. I, I-, I hear the argument that you know jose is going to win the first round and nato is going to win the third round all comes down to who wins the second round and yes maybe that could be the scenario of what happens here but i could also see a case where and wins the fight you know starting two minutes into the first round you know if, First two minutes, you know, feel him out a little bit, and then uh, start to take over, you know, start to really make him feel your range, your presence in there. And I do think that Henato can land the volume on on Jose, but it's not just going to be some walk in the park. This is Jose Aldo we're talking about. Henato does not possess that one-punch KO power like Conor. But similar to Max, he is a long body. He's actually a little bit taller than Max. And uh, we saw that these long-rangey guys at the highest level can give – Jose Aldo problems, and if Hinata Moicano is anywhere near that level, I think he will have that success, and I see him winning a decision over the great Jose Aldo Jr., so, man, I cannot wait to see what happens, and I understand people taking a shot on, on Jose at dog money. I mean, anytime you see Jose at dog money, look, I, I want to say he's going to fight for your money. He, he, he is going to fight for your money, but at the same time, when he starts gassing out, eating a lot of shots, that's when you might be like, oh, fuck. That being said, the dude hits like a truck, and... He can beat anyone on any given day. So I understand the reasoning on that end. But in this specific fight, I will go with Hanato Moikano. He's tasted defeat before. He's come back. And he didn't just come back, you know whatever oh, no big deal he came back better man like he came back he put on a lot of size if you watch his last two fights the physicality I don't know how he's making 45 these days I mean obviously he's got a nutritionist but I'm just saying the size that's the biggest featherweight I've ever seen so I will go with Hinata Moicano to defeat the great Jose Aldo main event of the evening we got Rafael Asunza he's 27 and 5 and Marlon Morais is 21 and 5 currently they got Marlon Moraes. He's minus 170. The comeback on Rafael Asuncao is plus 150. In a Shack, the first time they fought was in Brazil. The only difference was it was a three-round fight. It was kind of lying the same that it is now. Rafael Asuncao, is about a plus 160 dog, and he came through as a dog in that spot. Can I? Will lightning strike twice? And I say lightning. I mean, we're talking about the guy who's cleared out the entire top 15, including TJ Dillashaw, including Marlon Moraes, Pedro Munoz, Aljamain. He's beat everyone.
1: Is he going to win again? Yeah, it's a good fight once again, Asuncao, it seems like the action, besides the Lopez fight, I could say, it seems like the action consistently goes against him in most of his fights, because, you know, he doesn't necessarily have the fan-friendliest style, he's a counter-fighter, he only throws based on his opponent's uh, offense, and, you know, sometimes that can make for not the most exciting fight, and I think that's been, you know, the thing that, up until this point was kind of holding him back, but now he's finally got his title shot. I personally love his style. It frustrates the hell out of guys, you know. Uh, I kind of, I say, uh, when you fight a Sun that's when you had an off night, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. he couldn't, I couldn't pull the trigger when I fought a Sun you know. He was just countering everything I did. I didn't have an answer for it, and that's just the type of guy he is. He's going to stick to what he what he, what got him here. He's never going to change from that, and I feel like that's what his best attribute is. You're never going to see a Sun Tau train trading sloppy in the pocket or giving up takedowns. The only time he's really been outclassed is the Dillashaw fight, which was off a over-two-year layoff uh and you know he he got his ass beat that night you know Dill shop definitely put it on him but you know well we've seen guys come off two-year layoffs and look real rusty at times man so especially fighting (laughs) the fucking champ exactly (laughs) especially fighting the champ so uh you know i I think a sense as far as the first fight with marlon i think that you know it was kind of a case of a knows when to pick his spots. I felt like Marlin was doing a lot of throwing, but none of it was really affecting a you know. A sunsau pretty much rode with most of I mean Marlin definitely landed a couple overhand rights, uh that's what a sunsau definitely has to worry about, but what about that straight uh, right hand? A sunsau was landing throughout the fight It wobbled Marlin on more than two occasions, like three or four occasions, and I mean, I feel like a sunsau He's not necessarily the fastest guy but it's just the timing just the the just the knowing of when to you know executing his spots man and of course Marlon is one of the biggest power power strikers on 135 i love his right kick. I don't see him taking a sunset down at all. He, I don't think he's sniffing a takedown. We already saw what happened when he tried that in the first fight. It got completely shrugged off. On so, for him to win this fight, he's either gonna have to catch a sunset or do what so many people have failed to do, and that's beat a sunset by points. Besides uh, T.J. Dillashaw, so I feel like there's value on a sunset. Personally, I think the game a sunset plays is gonna be a tough matchup for anyone. I think that. To be honest, I actually give a Suntile a slight speed advantage. You know, I feel like Marlon's a little more stiffer with his punches. He kind of likes the pitter-patter and come with one big one. As Whereas well. Suntile, he can do everything. Southpaw, orthodox, capoeira kicks, spinning kicks, uh, I mean, low kicks, box. Like, the guy's just really, he really is at the uh, top of his game. He really is at the top of the division, both of these guys are. But I got to go with the underdog. I got to go with Rafael. I think he's a better puncher. I think Marlon's slightly better kicking, but, I mean, the, the, with the defensive game sunset plays, this guy is basically like a fucking repellent, man. This guy repels everything. <laughs> like, nothing gets him, man. So I got to go with the sunset once again, man. I'm am going to stop counting him out.
0: Man, Rafael Asunzal is like a fine wine. He gets better with time. And not only that, not only has he cleared out the entire top 15, I mean, he beat TJ Dillashaw, the champion. He beat Marlon Marais, Pedro Munoz, Aljamain Sterling. Careway. What about
1: Eduardo, what
0: about that fucking clinic you just put on Robbie Font last uh, fight? No one talks about that. I mean, dropping Robbie Font in the standing, just schooling down. him everywhere, man. It was a clinic. That spin kick. Who's, who's throwing spin kicks on Robbie Font? He had
1: a six-inch reach disadvantage. He was going to get knocked out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs>
0: six-inch reach disadvantage. It puts on a striking clinic on Robbie Font. So, man, I'm just so impressed with Rafael Anjos. Obviously, with Marlon Moraes, his last two fights killed Algernon Sterling, killed Jimmy Rivera. Those are two very top guys we can sit here and say how rafael beat aljo two years ago man like he's already beat these guys you know what i'm saying but like i know marlon was more vicious with it but when marlon and rafael fought marlon None couldn't hurt he couldn't <laughs> hurt him at all you know
1: every time he tried to step in counter
0: <laughs> yeah so one thing i've kind of noticed is that anytime marlon doesn't get you out in the first round i don't know what it is but fights tend to get close with him i mean you go back even to the world series of fighting so I know he fought Josh Hill twice, right? So the first time he fought Josh Hill. Bro, that fucking one that went five-round decision, that was a close-ass fight. A lot of people were like, man, Josh Hill might have got robbed. I mean, I scored it for Marlon, obviously. But like a lot of people thought, hey, Josh Hill did really good. They rematched. Marlon knocked him out in the first round. But I'm just saying, that one went past, the one that went past the first round, it got sketchy. So we know he lost uh, to Asuncao when it went past the first round. What about the Dodson fight, man? I I also scored that for Marlon. But, man, close for if he cannot get you out of there in that first round, it becomes a really fucking close fight. With Sterling and Jimmy, it wasn't even a fight. He you got, you got him out in the first. So, back to this. If Marlon can come out here, head kick Rafael sao, get him out, then hey, that's how you're going to beat him. But this shit goes to decision, man. And like I said, Marlon, anytime he doesn't get you out in the first round, it tends to go to decision. And guess who's the master of winning decisions? Rafael is since South. So, man, I just feel like if this gets extended, Rafael is going to come out here and win again as the underdog in Brazil and fucking become a UFC uh, interim champ while he's at it. So Marlon needs to come out here. He needs to knock him out this time. And I just simply don't think it's – one does not simply knock out Rafael Asunca. The last guy to do it was about to make his welterweight debut against Dwight Grant. So, like, you know what I mean? He
1: got knocked stiff by him. And, and Not only that,
0: Rafael Asunca beat Jorge Masvidal. You know what I'm saying, man? So, I, I, listen, I, I got Rafael Asunca to you know, win this uh, fight. I
1: heard, well, you know, Rafael's from here. And uh, I heard Rafael dropped out of high school to fight. He just quit high school and he... Said he was going to be a fighter, and look and, where he is now. And now he's making multiple
0: <laughs> six figures a year. So I'm proud of Hafi, uh, man. Definitely represents our city well. But look, no no bias here, man. All bullshit aside, I really think that if Marlon doesn't get him out, Hafi is going to extend this, counter-strike, win a decision once again. Well, now we got to hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute. And joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself. Kyle, it's Super Bowl weekend, but
2: more importantly, the UFC is going down this weekend in Fortaleza. What's going on, Kyle? Hey, man, not much. Looking forward to a big weekend. I actually don't even look at it as Super Bowl weekend because I've just been too focused on this card. I haven't been able to think about NFL yet. Uh, but I'm excited for two days of uh, sweating bets, sweating DK, hopefully winning some money.
0: No, absolutely, and I mean, since you bring it up, right off the bat, they got to know that your DraftKings write-ups are now available at BestFightPicks.com, and uh, last last week, you came through, and I came through on that Henry Cejudo, that Donald Cowboy Cerrone, and now this weekend, uh, it's time to continue those winning ways, my man. Yes, sir. So, main event of the evening, Marlon Morais is taking on Rafael Asunza, first time they fought very, very close fight. Now they're rematching, uh, same
2: circumstances, only difference is it's a five-round fight this time, who's your pick? Uh, My pick is going to be Marias. I think, he's just more dangerous, he should have the speed advantage, if this fight's going to end inside the distance, it should be him getting his hand raised, but man, the first time these guys fought, it was only three rounds, but Marias only scored 22 DraftKings points, um... So that's not too great. And then a Sun only had, I believe, 58 DraftKings points. So if this was three rounds again, there's no chance I'm even using either side of it, to tell you the truth. But I think the way I'm going to attack this, since it is five, uh, five rounds, I like a Sun more for cash games. Maybe lock in the floor, even if he loses, with five rounds, that would be okay if it goes the distance. But I think Marais has the much higher ceiling, so I like him more in tournaments. If he's if anyone's going to get 100-plus points, it's going to be him. So that could help win you that $15,000 or whatever it is up top this weekend. Have you noticed a trend
0: that when Marlon Marais does go past the first round, historically speaking, he tends to not
2: score as much, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much finish or don't score high for him. That's what it seems like. But he's gone five rounds before. Asunca never never has done that, so i just got to give him the edge and uh i just like the the improvements we've seen with that finishing power in the last two fights so i'm gonna have to go with marias to get the job done
0: now next up we got a welterweight match between damian maya and lyman good now obviously it's striker versus grappler my question for you kyle is do you think the striker has a chance to keep the standing
2: i think yeah i think he has a chance um I just think, I don't know if he can knock my out though. And I don't know if he can keep the standing for three rounds. I don't see him being like Woodley or Usman or Covington. So I don't know. I think he's got a shot at the knockout and that's what you're going to want to shoot for. If you're picking him, you, you're going to, you must be thinking he's getting the knockout. If you don't think he's going to get a knockout, you really shouldn't be rostering him. And if you think Mike can get this fight to the ground once, then he's got hundred plus point potential. Uh, he scored over 100 at least three times. He gets a lot of advance points once he gets to the fight to the ground, and then he can submit pretty much anybody in the world. So, I like Maya here to get the job done. I've also heard that uh, Good was in like a car accident recently, so maybe that's going to affect him a little bit. Who knows? Um, but I'm gonna have to go with the old man to get the job done. Maybe s- sail off into sunset, get a win. Uh, after- uh, uh, get get a win, sail off into, off into sunset. sunset.
0: Yeah, I heard that about Lyman Good as well, but I wouldn't put any stock into it because car accident or no car accident, the guy simply can't stuff a takedown. You need that against uh, Damian Maya, so we'll see what happens when those two lock horns. But man, this kid Johnny Walker—I'll tell you what—for a UFC debut, he made a statement. Now he's taking on the battle-tested Justin Ledet. You think there's some value in the dog here, or do you think the hype train continues to roll?
1: I'm
2: gonna I'm gonna take the hype train. I think he's again more dangerous higher ceiling. So that's what I'm shooting for. Uh, if anyone's getting a hundred plus here, I believe it's going to be him that does it, but I think what could give him some problems with the boxing. So I'm just not so sure. I'm going to be like, at first I thought this was going to be a hundred percent all in fight for me. Um, I'll have Ladette, or I'll have Walker and in, in every lineup, but the more I've been making lineups, I haven't been using this fight that much. Um, so I think it's just, I'm just going to sprinkle both guys in. Ledette's solid because he's only 7K. If he wins, he's going to pay that off. Uh, but with Walker at 9,200, he really does have to get like an early finish to pay that off, I'm thinking. I don't see this being like a back and forth war where they get a whole bunch of significant strikes. So you really want the finish bonus at 9,200. So I I don't know what I'm going to do with it. It might be in half of my lineups now, and I'll just favor Walker.
0: So Anthony Hernandez, Fluffy Hernandez, is making his UFC debut. He's taking on Marcos Maluco Perez. Now, many people thought that Marcos Perez could have won that decision against Andrew Sanchez. But regardless, do you think that uh, he's a live
2: dog here against the newcomer Hernandez? Yeah, I think he's a live dog, but I'm gonna go with Hernandez. I think on the feet, he's just he's gonna have the edge, and I see that getting the job done. But I don't know. I. It's not that I'm confident in, and I'm definitely going to have some shots on Perez as well. He could get a submission if it hits the ground, I think. Um, But I do think this is a solid fight to target because I don't think either guy is going to be too highly owned. So we might be able to get an under-the-radar finish. And I'll take some shots on both sides, but I like Hernandez more. And since he's a newcomer, probably won't have a lot of people knowing his name, and that will take away from his ownership. Max
0: Griffin's taking on the legend Tiago Pitbull Alves Max is the bigger guy, the younger guy, the fresher guy There's a minus 200 next to his name For a reason, but I gotta know Every once in a while, it seems like every year Every two years, Tiago Alves comes out there Puts on that Muay Thai clinic uh, You think he's gonna
2: be able to do that here as an underdog? I don't see him putting on a clinic But I do think he'll be you know, the more technical fighter If he can work those leg kicks, that'll definitely help him a lot uh, But I think Griffin's probably just going to be a little too, bit too much for him overall, so I do have to favor him to get the win. It's just that he's nine thousand dollars on DraftKings, and I mean this guy never gets over a hundred points. He's not going to be going for any takedowns, so he's going to have to get a knockout to pay that off. I'm thinking so I probably won't have too much of him on DraftKings. Um, so I'd rather have Alves actually if I was going to pick between the two, and then hope that Alves can again, like Maya, just get a win right off into the sunset um i've had some big wins with alvez in the past maybe he could pull it off again for me but he's only 7200 i think if he gets the win he's gonna pay that off and maybe i don't know maybe we see an old school Alves and he can get a finish here but i'd rather just have him for the price uh but it won't be a fight i'm targeting heavily
0: so junior albini is taken on the newcomer jerzinho Rosenstrike. and interestingly enough the line has flipped but i know that the drafting's price has remained the same so I got to know which way you're leaning.
2: Man, I, I'm i not sure. I'm probably going to end up 50-50 in this one. Um, if I throw a lineup in with Albini, I'll probably just end up making the same lineup and put Rosenstrike, Just because I, I, don't want, I don't feel confident in either one of these guys getting the job done. I think Albini has a clear path to victory. If he wants to get this fight to the ground, I think he can win with ground and pound or a submission down there. But on the feet, I think Rosenstrike is going to have some serious power. Maybe he could put him away as well. So I think they both have 100-plus point upside. And at 8100 bucks, that's going to be on the winning lineup if they do get a first-round finish. So it's a fight I like a lot. I can't put it in every lineup if I'm going to 50-50 it because I don't want to throw away half my lineups. But I think I'm going to go ahead and side with Rosenstrike for now. Um, that could change. I'm not sure. But I'll say he gets an early knockout. And if I was going to use just one lineup and throw it in there, it would be him.
0: Last but not least, we have Russia versus Brazil because Magomed Bibulatov, is taking on Rogerio Bontorin. And I don't know if you saw Rogerio Bontorin's win on Contender Series, but it was the kind of comeback win where there was no option or choice but for Dana White to sign him. And with Magomed Bibulatov, obviously he had the hype train coming into the UFC. He's 1-1. One one. He's looking to get that record one fight above five hundred. So I got to know, man, you going with the big favorite, Bibulatov,
2: or do you think the newcomer Bontorin can get a win here? I'm going to go with... Uh... Bibulatov, I think this is a, a solid fight for him to come back after that Moraga loss. Uh, he was a big favorite in that one, and he let a lot of people down. Uh, now he's 9,400. That The problem is, at that price, he's probably going to have to get a finish, and he's going to have to score more than anyone else on the card to be in the first-place lineup, I'm thinking. So I'm really not loving this fight for that reason. It's just too high of a salary, and I, I don't really care for the dog here at that price either. So... If I was just making you know five or less lineups, I think I'd just fade this fight altogether. But if I'm making a whole bunch of lineups, I'm gonna have a lot more bibulatav than I will Bontorin. So uh, the favorite will be my pick, but just fade this fight, really.
0: Well, Kyle, that's why you are the DraftKings guy for half the battle. It's going down this Saturday on ESPN Plus, UFC Live in Brazil. They can follow you
2: at Big Marley Three, and uh, your write ups are available at BestFightPicks.com. That's right, man. If you want all my picks with full breakdowns, just head over there, get my write-up. It's only $7.99. Um, it's well worth it, especially if you just like reading it. It'll keep you busy for a while, so let me help you make some money, and let's get it.
0: Yeah, it's well worth it. The night before the fights, I like to sit down, read that article, see what DraftKings guru Kyle Marley has to say about every single fight, and uh, then uh, the next day comes, and it's fight day, so hit up bestfightpicks.com for that. Kyle, we'll speak soon, my man. All right, man. Good luck. You too, brother. And that's why Big Marley is the DraftKings guy for half the battle. with well, Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC Fortaleza?
1: My fight to watch is going to be Charles De Bronx Oliveira versus David Taylor. I mean, Charles Oliveira has the well, another opportunity to do some typical De Bronx shit, man, to get another sub win, to strangle another man unconscious in Brazil, which he's never lost in Brazil, by the way. And... David Moore, if he can pull this one off, this is a big statement. A put down a vet like Charles, the greatest submission artist the sport has ever seen in Brazil... The bright skies for him, and there's a lot of good matchups for him uh, moving forward. So that's my fight to watch.
0: Yeah, Tamar versus Oliveira is obviously one of the fights to watch. There's no way that one can be boring. But for me, my fight to watch is going to be Ricardo Ramos versus Said Nurmagomedov. You're talking about two of the top prospects at 135 pounds. They both have 12 and one records. Not to mention it's Brazil versus Russia. You know that anytime those two countries uh, meet in any type of sporting event, it's going to be super competitive. They have a lot of pride and both these guys bring so much to the table in, in their own respective areas. So for that reason, Ricardo Ramos versus Saïd Nurmagomedov is my fight to watch. Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Fortaleza?
1: My fighter to watch is going to be Hanato Look, man, when this guy made his UFC debut, he was instantly pegged as a future title challenger, top five guy, top ten guy. He's worked his way there. He worked his way to the top five in three fights, you know, so that just shows you how good he is. Now he's got the, the opportunity to put a stamp on it, to get the legend out of here, to, you know, like you said, is it your time or not? You know, it's, it's if he doesn't get, win this fight, he probably will never get a title shot, you know, so... He's gotta, he's gotta beat Jose Aldo. If he gets this uh, win, he's probably gonna get the title shot. But just to beat, you know, a guy he probably looked up to, a guy who also said he wasn't Brazilian, and uh, now he gets to, you know, beat a, I guess, uh, an idol. I guess so. Hanato Moicano's my fighter to watch.
0: All eyes will be on Henato Moicano versus Jose Aldo. For me, my fighter to watch is Rafael Souza. This is the biggest fight of his entire career. If he goes out here and beats. Marlon Moraes, not only will he finally get the respect he deserves but he's going to have a gold belt around his waist and conversely if he loses this fight that's going to be such a dramatic setback to the point where you know the UFC weren't in a rush to give this guy a title shot anyways despite his resume he loses to Marlon Moraes, it's going to be it's going to be a couple years until uh, he gets another title shot so this is the biggest fight of Rafael Asuncao's career and for that reason the criminally underrated Rafael Asuncao is my fighter to watch. Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday on ESPN Plus, UFC Fortaleza, Moraes versus Asunza. I can't wait for this card, man. They can follow you at MMA Genius 05. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. You can check out our plays at BestFightPicks.com. Last week came through on that Cowboy Cerrone and that Henry Cejudo dog money. This week I have some good things planned, and next week as well, and the week after, because I believe there's about 10 straight weeks of UFC. So make sure you go to BestFightPicks.com. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes. Cloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Hook up those five-star reviews. And thank you so much to every single person that supports us. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.